0: Um, I would encourage you to jump onto our, our podcasts, uh, Apple and Spotify, and all these messages are up there for you to catch up on the series. It's, it's really a helpful series for us to become more resilient people, that um, we have seen people over the years, not just COVID, but over the years, we've seen people, great people, lovely people just get overwhelmed with the burdens of life and fall away lose their faith altogether, simply because they didn't have the resilience of having done all to stand, they weren't able to continue to stand. And so this series is really going to help us with tools to address some things, to reject some things, to accept some things that are going to build us into resilient people. Because uh, I'm not sure about you, but um, I want to finish well. you ever thought about that? Like, we live day to day, but... Sometimes we live week to week, but have you ever thought about how you want to finish? Like, what are they they going to say at your final farewell? Do you want to finish strong? Do you want to finish without scandal? Do you want to finish without destroying things around your life or yourself in the process of life? The devil is going to try and scatter us, divide us, scare us, torment us. And that should drive us closer to the heart of Jesus, not further away. And the closer we are to Jesus, the more secure we are to be the kind of people he's called us and created us to be. So I want to finish well, and this series is going to really help us do that. Um, Quick little two-minute flyover where we're up to. Um, Chapter 1, I want life to look good again. That was what we looked at. We looked at how burnout, quitting, and making a mess of our lives usually happens when the reserves of our soul are severely depleted. And God is the only one that can truly replenish the reserves of our soul. He is the river of life chapter two where are we what is happening we looked at mental fragmentation that because of the the overwhelming impact of the pandemic and 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 the fast pace of life we can have mental fragmentation where we sort of our brain just glitches and we start to do things on autopilot without realizing and and, and one way we navigate that well is by finding a narrative that helps us make sense of the overwhelming information coming to us at a rapid pace and so people can find a narrative in politics or economics or sexuality or all sorts of things but as the people of God we have to find our main narrative as God's story. So what is God doing through the craziness of life what is God doing through my life in the midst of what it's like to live in 2023 and that's got to be the, the the true north narrative that we align and filter everything through is to get on God's page um, in this life chapter three the strength that prevails. Uh, is that chapter we looked at comfort culture has lulled us to sleep spiritually and weakened our ability to be resilient. But God offers us strength as a gift that will help us stand. Um, Chapter 4, Eden glory, not desolation. Essentially, this chapter boiled down to greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we have to then be transformed by renewing our mind to, wait a minute, God lives in me. And he's greater than whoever or whatever's in the world. And when we get that paradigm shift, that changes how we view things. That changes um, our, our level of resilience because we realize, hold a minute, God is living in me. That's a game changer. Uh, and then last week, Steve Farrell did a, a home run, hit it out the park message on Chapter 5, The Assurance of Abundance. Um, looking at how we can become more attached to God in greater measure to realize that we have an abundance of resource uh, to draw upon as the children of God. And when we have that uh, assurance of abundance, then that's doesn't, that takes us out of that poverty mentality, that, that changes our identity, that helps us realize that, you know what, I might be deficient in areas, but God is fully resourced to resource me with everything I need that pertains to life and godliness. So I can draw upon him for the assurance of abundance. And when we have that assurance, guess what? We become more resilient because we start to see things in this right perspective. So today, chapter 6, unconverted places unconverted places. I want to start with the story that he uses in in page 92 of the book. Allow me to read it for you in my best reading voice. The year was 1996. This year was a particularly deadly climbing season for Mount Everest. Severe storms left many climbers in what is called the death zone, high on top of the mountain. Three Indian climbers attempted the summit from the northeast ridge and were stranded in a devastating blizzard. Unable to descend, they spent the night on the face of the mountain without shelter of any kind in a howling storm. The next morning, two Japanese climbers ascended by the same route and came upon them. The Indian climbers were near death, but the Japanese offered no assistance of any kind, no food, no water no bottled oxygen. They didn't even speak to them. They simply stepped to the side and took their rest a few hundred meters down the path. After they made the summit on their descent, they left the Indians to die as they passed them by and returned to base camp. What a lovely story. Should we pray? Of course we should. Father, I just thank you for this morning. Thank you for this message. I thank you for this chapter. Would you help uh, me to unpack this well in a way that would bring us um, transformative revelation, that would just help us to be more resilient? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Brendan, would you stand to your feet, please, and hold that cup for me? I need you to help me with a little illustration. Um, How great was Brendan's uh, communion message this morning? So good. You, You come up. You come up. Come up. Google Photos reminder. Now, in my back pocket, here I have. You just have to stand. That's all you have to do, right? Um, otherwise, I'll make a mess. So I've got a tube um, here. It's just a tube. Now, as I take the lid off and I squeeze this out, I'm not going to get you. I promise, I'll be kind. Oh, look at that. Elsa Anna frozen toothpaste. This is delightful. Um, strawberry goodness. I love that. Strawberry cheesecake. So as I squeezed that... Toothpaste come out, right? Now, I might think, man, I want peanut butter. Peanut butter to come out? Yes, come on now, peanut butter, squeeze, squeeze it. Flip in toothpaste again? Are you kidding me? Imagine, imagine Vegemite. That'd be sick. Vegemite come out? I'll just squeeze this and Vegemite come out. Ah, oh, getting frustrated. What honey? I would like honey to come out. Mm. It's all toothpaste. Thank you, Brendan. That's all I want you for. You may leave. no matter what I wanted to come out of that tube, when pressure is applied, the only thing that's going to come out is what's inside of it. So if I want something different to come out, I've got to put something different in. And that's our life. When we are pressed and squeezed and pressured, what comes out of us is what's actually inside of us. And if we don't like what's coming out, we're going to change what we're putting in. And... We might hope that, oh, when pressure comes, then, then the fruit of the Spirit will just be peaceful and I'll be joyful and I'll be gracious. But you know you, I know me. When we're pressured in life situations, those things don't automatically just flow out of us. Rage, anger, disappointment, sometimes some M-rated words, sometimes some R-rated words. We'll just roll the dice and see what happens. But those things only come out of us because they were first in us. Who we are, what we love, and how far we are willing to trust God are revealed when we are truly hard-pressed. Like the Japanese climbers. Crisis brings out the best in people but also can bring out the worst. It reveals what's truly inside them. So what was truly inside those Japanese climbers was not care, compassion, or kindness. It was selfishness. And when crisis hit, I didn't care. They just past and did their own thing. So let me ask you this question, and this is not a rhetorical question. I want us to actually sit in this question for a second. What comes out of you when you are stressed, when you're triggered, or under immense pressure? I've got a young family, three kids, and we've got to get ready for school and work every single day. It's a high-pressure situation. And I would like to say that every morning when the pressure's on to get out the door at a certain time, to get all the kids at their respective schools and programs and things like that, that I am just a beacon of joy and love and patience and kindness. I would love to say that, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm legally obliged to not lie when I'm on stage, so I, I can't say that. What comes out of you? Do, do you find yourself lashing out in anger, reaching for the bottle, lighting up that cigarette, pulling up that website, thinking those toxic thoughts that just play over your mind time and time again. If you answered yes to any one of those questions or more, you're not alone. I would answer yes to some of those questions. So what we first must do is remove the shock and the shame of these moments where you suddenly rage out, where we binge, where we become faithless, or we show our ugly side. None of us are perfect. All of us have these moments where these things flow out of us. So what we need to first do is go, hold on a minute, let's just take the shame and the shock of that and move that aside so we can actually deal with this. Because the shame and the shock of it will keep it hidden because we don't like being exposed like that. And so nothing ever changes because the shame and the shock of all those sorts of things and the projection of what we want to other people to think about us prevent us from actually doing the hard work of dealing with those things. Um, but the Bible says there is now, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The only condemnation we have is the condemnation we allow to pick up and put on ourselves. That the old hairy legs like this whisper lies into our ears and we either believe them or we reject them. And so if we accept the lies of the enemy, guess what? Condemnation, we become clothed in it. So let's take that off. This morning, we must realize that our salvation, this is the game changer. Our salvation is more of a process than it is an event. I love what Eldridge says on page 102 about salvation. He says, Oh, yes, salvation is a homecoming, to be sure. That is the event. Our salvation begins when we first turn towards Jesus with an open heart. We come to Him for mercy. We ask Him to forgive us for living so much of our life in utterly uh, utterly ignoring Him. We invite Him in as our rescuer. We also surrender. We yield the throne of our lives to Him. That's the homecoming. And our Father is absolutely giddy over it, and he wants to throw you a party. I love that. He's giddy over it. Oh, gosh, he's so excited. And in Luke 15, we see that all of heaven rejoices when uh, we turn from our sin. Our homecoming is utterly life-changing. But what surprises us, what can really dishearten us, is that it's not instantaneously life-changing. Hebrews ten fourteen says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So, so it's this concept, this, this juggle of already but not yet. God has, through Jesus, made us perfect as far as our standing in heaven, our, our eternal security. God has made us perfect, but then we are also those same perfect people that are on this journey of becoming holy. And that is the process of salvation. It's, it's not just a, a, an event. It is actually a process. He goes on to say this, parts of you seem well inhabited by Christ. right? Parts of us go, yeah, I I come to church or I tithe or I'm faithful. Yeah, that that part I've really got surrendered to Jesus is all good. But the rest of you seems practically pagan as revealed in your driving, your binging, your media choices, all your fantasy life. How can these parts exist in the same human being? We are like stained glass." Beautiful, even in our brokenness, but made of many fragments. And I love what Paul says in, in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. This is, this is the beauty of the Christian faith, is, is the Apostle Paul, who outside of Jesus, has given the church over 2,000 years um, the most rich theological content around who God is, what salvation is, and how we as people can interact with God. Uh, he is... Absolutely phenomenal. But he doesn't project himself with an ego like, look how good I am. I'm the Apostle Paul. I'm amazing. Like, there is this thread of humility all through his teachings where it's like, you guys, I, I get it. I'm, I'm like you. I'm of the flesh. But God is good, but I'm still working stuff out. And and so in Romans chapter 7, verse 5, he says this, and, and maybe you can relate to it. Maybe you are not quite as holy um, as me or somebody else, and, and you can relate to that. I can't relate to this at all, clearly, Mm. Um, he says this, I don't do what I want to do, but then I do what I don't want to do. And he says, that's the most frustrating thing. His words were, um, I don't understand my own actions. I don't get it. I'm so frustrated. I don't do the things I want to do, but then I go and do the things I don't want to do. And like, for me, that that sums up a lot of my life. It's like, man, I know what I should be doing, but I just don't do it. I know what I should be doing, and then sometimes I just find myself doing those things. And that is the, the frustrating, perplexing thing about being a human, an imperfect person on a pathway to perfection with Jesus that we are on. Maybe this is why David wrote in Psalm 86, God, give me an undivided heart. There's an inner torment, a rage in us where we feel like two people at one time, but that's just the human nature wrestling with our spirit man. And we ought to feed the one we want to win. And if we feed the flesh, we feed our desires, well, guess what? That's going to become stronger than our spirit man. But if we feed the inner man, we feed our spirit man on the things of God, uh, then we will find him winning over our flesh. Give me an undivided heart. This is why it's so important to understand that our salvation and our subsequent sanctification is a process and not merely an event. We need to be kind and merciful to ourselves when these unconverted places in our hearts make a cameo appearance in our lives. Rather than be disappointed in ourselves and take take on unnecessary guilt and shame, we can see these moments as opportunities to identify areas of our lives that are not yet united to Christ and unite them with him. And that's essentially what's going on. When when the the, the toothpaste tube of our life is squeezed, the stuff that comes out reveals what is inside us, either the converted spaces or the unconverted places. And so if we find rage coming out or anger coming out or, or toxicity coming out of us, what we're finding is, hey, these things are just... Unconverted places in my heart that I need to unite them with Christ, and the moments where you find yourself reacting in a situation, and and you are quite patient, and you are tolerant, and you are kind and merciful when the pressure's on. Well, what they're revealing is their areas of your life that are converted in your. And praise be to God, that is awesome. May you be humbly, um, you know blessed in that area and continue to grow in that. But we've all got those other spaces and rather than go, oh, I'm, I feel ashamed or I feel guilty or I feel like I should be further down the line in my faith right now, and then, and then the walls of shame and guilt come up to block us from, from utilising an opportunity to rectify those things, we can actually go, you know what? Take the shame off and go, here I have an unconverted place in my heart that I need to unite with Christ. I need to work on this. When, when, when the kids don't clean their room and they do stuff and I rage at them and I yell at them and I make them feel small, that's an unconverted place in my heart. I need to unite that with Jesus and do some work with him. And the more places in our life that we uh, convert or the more places in our heart that we unite with Christ, guess what? The more resilient we become the more unconverted places in our life left to our own flesh or living by default from the patterns inherited to us from our, from our parents, then the less resilient we will be and we'll fly off the handle more often. Holiness is a key component of building our resilience and identifying unconverted places in our lives as a critical, sorry, identifying unconverted places is critical in our pursuit of holiness. To be like Jesus, that when we're with Jesus, he helps identify those areas to help us then become more like him. Matthew thirteen thirty three, Jesus says, this, "I love this. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she only put a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough." And this is what John Eldridge would say about that passage. He says, The promise is this. The goodness of Jesus will work its way through your entire being. Jesus is the yeast in this parable. It is his beautiful life living in you that begins to permeate your being and will truly save you. This is what salvation is. The permutation of your being by the presence of Christ in you, healing you, renewing you, imparting his own life in you. It follows then that when we are cooperating with what we seek with all of our hearts in this hard hour is the process where God exposes some part of us that is not yet united to him so that it can be united to him. This is a new way of looking at the stuff that emerges in your heart when you are hard-pressed. So, is it possible that maybe our hardships are actually developing resistance in us. That rather than seeing ourselves as defeated or uh, under attack or opposed, that, that resistance, that hardship, actually is an opportunity for us to look at how we respond in those situations and see, am I happy with what comes out of me in hard times? And if we're not, if, if it doesn't align with what God says about uh, how we ought to live, then we need to, uh, you know, as I said, unite those things back to him. Is it possible that our hardships are opportunities for us to bring the unconverted places of our lives before God in order that we might be holy as he is holy. And we just sang that this morning. Make us holy as you are. That's that's the scripture. That's 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 16 which is referring to Leviticus 11:44 that we might be holy as he is holy. So what that literally means, to be holy as he is holy, that literally means that to be set apart as he is set apart. That's what holiness is. We can either go with the flow of this world, go with the flow of our flesh, or we can be set apart from that and united with God and united with Christ and become holy as he is holy. This practically means bringing the unconverted places of our heart to God to unite them with him, to watch him bring transformation about. I love Psalm 51 verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. Create in me. Renew in me. These are processes. To create a house doesn't happen with a snap of it. There is a process. There is a laying of a foundation. There is the building of walls. There is, there is roofs. There are, there are the finishings. It's a process. So for us, our salvation, this becoming like God, creating us a clean heart, this, this wholeness is a process. And that takes away some of that frustration where we think I should be further along by now. Why? Because what we're doing is we're seeing our holiness as, a, as, as, as something that happened at, at our salvation point rather than it's the process we become on as Christians. Our salvation is far more of a journey than it is a moment or an event. See, we have been saved from the past. We are being saved in the present and we will be saved in the future for all eternity. That is the the process we are all on. I'm going to finish with this. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again because this is the, the most concise way I can say this whole message. The pursuit of holiness... Through the conversion of unconverted places in our heart is the next step in becoming more resilient. The pursuit of holiness through the unconverted places in our heart is the next step of becoming more resilient. And so I'm going to land there. Um, And we've got a little bit of time. We have... We're just on an hour, so I've got at least another hour forty-five to go. Hour fifty if you're lucky. But I I was wondering if, if like me, either you read through this chapter this week, or or maybe you're hearing this for the first time. But something in this message has jumped out at you, like, man, that's yeah, that that's me. I've, I've really never seen it like that before. And um, the whole analogy with, with the toothpaste thing, when stuff is squeezed, the stuff that comes out is the stuff that's already in there. And I feel like my life has been squeezed. Obviously, all of us have been squeezed over the pandemic, but there's also then that's a macro squeeze. But there's also micro squeezes that are unique to you and your life and your situation and your pressures and your hardship and, and things like that. And if you're not happy with what's coming out of you in those moments if 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 you've now identifying a lot of unconverted places in your heart that really haven't been surrendered to Jesus and, and been transformed by him i want to i want to pray for you today to to shift your mindset To to throw off the shame and guilt that can be associated with that, thinking I should be better than that by now. We're not here to, to condemn one another, we're here to inspire and encourage one another on in our own journeys. But I was wondering if if there's anyone here that would be like, you know what, today I want to make a stand and get a little bit more serious about my own personal discipleship to Jesus. I want to be with Jesus in order to be like Jesus. And today I just want to just step out. And I I guess I am encouraging you, if you want to come out to the altar and stand out here, I would love to pray with anybody this morning who wants to say, you know what, I need to take that next step. I need to bring some of those, start the process of bringing unconverted places before God for him to renew and restore me. I'm, I'm not super happy with some of the stuff that comes out of my heart. But before we do that, I would love just to pray. Why don't we just bow our heads. Father, would you search our hearts here today? Lord, we did not come here to just to play church, to go through the motions, but we came here to encounter you, to be challenged by your word, to be encouraged and empowered by your spirit. And so, Lord, I just thank you for all of us here today. Would you bring to our minds, would you bring to our attention some of those unconverted places when life gets tough and we respond with anger or we respond with self-soothing through drugs or alcohol or sex or pornography or binging escapism Lord I pray that you would just help us to not be a don't be ashamed of those things because Paul did the things he didn't want to do and didn't do things he knows, knew he should have done. But rather than be ashamed, we would we'd bring it before you and say, God, would you heal this? Would you take this from me? Would you, would you unite me in this area of my life to you so that I could become more like you? So here's what we're going to do. If you want prayer for anything, and I know this can be awkward, right? Uncomfortable. I, I know I'm asking some people to really swallow a little bit of pride. But let me be honest with you. I, if I'm sitting in the seat, I'm the first to respond. Because there's a bunch of unconverted places in my heart that I need God to really transform me in. So if, that, if that's you, I'm just going to give us 30 seconds just to come to a seat. Just stand here on the altar. I'm going to play, in keeping with the hybrid church theme this morning, just a song. And this song is is not necessarily a worship song. It's more of an item that um, was sent to me a while ago when I was unwell. I was sick with something and someone sent me this song and I just listened to it over and over again. This song is like a prayer that washes over you. And so as you come this morning, I'm going to play this song and let it wash over you and through you. So that you can feel the touch of heaven on your life, and then I want to pray for all of you individually, and then we'll be dismissed to have coffee. It'll be fantastic. So don't we all just stand to our feet wherever we are. We're going to finish with this. Five minutes will be done, I promise. And if that's you, would you come now? Would you come? Thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you for this sacred moment Thank you Lord that we would come to you and be with you
1: the name of let's just let
0: this song wash over us. receive the lyrics receive the prayer
1: I speak the name cause it's all that I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for your healing, that circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' Dances will change. I pray that the fear.
0: you, Father. Lord, I just pray resilience of every person here this morning, God. Strength, courage, hope, life. Lord God, every single person, Lord, on this altar that is bringing their heart before you, I thank you that you see all, you know all. And Lord, you are waiting for us to respond to your your call, your sweet call of, of grace and mercy and kindness. I thank you for the humility and sacrifice that has taken people to step out and be here today. I thank you that you are meeting them here on this altar, Lord God. Lord, I pray for these these unconverted spaces in their hearts. And Lord, for every one of them, I know they would look different from the other, but I pray that you know intimately each and every one of us and you know the areas that they are bringing before you this morning. And so Lord, I just pray that you would interact and intercept, Lord God, with every single person here this morning. Lord, that you would take old things, take broken things and bring restoration and newness and freshness of life. Lord God, we're not on the the pathway of perfection, Lord, but we are on the pathway of holiness, of moving past where we are today to where you would have us tomorrow. So Lord, I pray that you would take off any guilt or shame or condemnation that that any of us have clothed ourselves with in the past, any lies that we have come into agreement with. Lord, I pray that they would be broken in Jesus' name. I thank you that we would see ourselves as sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we are absolutely loved and adored by you. And we want to welcome you in as, as the sun warms the earth, Lord, that your presence would warm our hearts, Lord God, any cold places that are untouched by you will be defrosted and transformed and made new let the fruit of the spirit flow through us today God let our transformation and change be evident not just by our words but by the way we live by our demeanor by our mannerisms by our responses Lord God Lord help us in our areas of weakness Holy Spirit, remind us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. Help us to be quick to repent when we fall short, when we do the things we don't want to do and we don't do the things we want to do. Lord God, would you help us to be quick to repent and move forward and not get tripped up in guilt any longer. Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now, touch and minister every single person on this altar. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Change, transformation, healing, strength, courage, love, kindness, resilience in Jesus' name.
1: Amen.